0: Are new. Faith Talk 570 WTBN, Pinellas Park, and 910 WTWD, Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: If Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, then there ought to be no question that He is our Lord. And and we don't simply uh, profess Him and confess Him with our lips, but we live in such a way that His resurrection is a daily, a moment-by-moment reality in our lives.
2: Welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily study in the Word of God with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we break into the regularly scheduled studies to bring you a three-part message that Steve delivered to his congregation on Easter Sunday, 2012. It is titled, The Assurance of Christ's Resurrection, and is taken from Mark chapter 16. The topic of today's discussion is, Who Rolled the Stone Away? You will find it very thought-provoking and a great help in the growth of your own faith walk with the Lord Jesus. Get your Bible and open it to Mark chapter 16. Lakeside Community Chapel is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. That's about halfway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. Pastor Steve would welcome a visit from you at any service. You may call the church at 727-441-1714 if you'd like more information about service times. That's 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside and has a vast archive of messages by Pastor Steve. You can go to the website, browse through the topics, and stream or download any of the messages for free. The website is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. At the end of the program, I will tell you how you can obtain a copy of this entire message by Pastor Steve. Now, let's get ready for class to start. Here is Pastor Steve Kreloff.
1: Joseph Stoll, in his little book entitled Interruptions, God's Unexpected Opportunities, makes this statement. He says that limited information always leads to limited conclusions. Let me read that again. Limited information always leads to limited conclusions. In other words, if you don't have enough information, you're going to make a wrong conclusion. And then Joe Stoll illustrates that concept by a story of a Texas rancher who was in Germany on an agricultural consulting tour, stopping by a small farm. The Texan asked the German farmer, how big is your place? All the German farmers said, it's not really big. It's about a mile this way and a mile this way and a mile this way. And turning to the Texas rancher, the German said, and how big is your farm? Well, I don't know how to tell you this, said the Texan. But if I get in my pickup truck when the sun comes up and if I drive all day long, when the sun goes down, I'm still on my ranch. And the German farmer smiled, nodded his head, and said, Oh, I understand. I had a pickup truck like that once myself. <laughs> you see, limited information really does lead to a faulty conclusion. And that's really. Not too serious when we're talking about pickup trucks and farms and things of that nature, but it can be eternally tragic when you make a faulty conclusion concerning Christianity based on not having enough information about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, there are many people who reject the gospel. They reject Christianity. Why? Because they really don't have the right information about the resurrection. They believe it's a hoax. They believe it's a myth. They believe it's a story that Christians have believed. But there's really no substance to it. There's really no evidence for it. It's just something that we have hung on to. And people who conclude that really don't understand the resurrection. And if you have no resurrection, you have no Christianity. The gospel, according to the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians 15, is that Christ has died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. If you take away the resurrection, there is no Christianity. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians 15, He said that uh, and I'm paraphrasing now that if there is no resurrection, then our faith is worthless. There is no message. There is no message. That's why the early church really emphasized in their preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter, on the first uh, the first sermon given, first Christian sermon given on a Jewish holiday called the Day of Pentecost, emphasized that Jesus Christ, unlike David, King David, has risen from the dead. He said, David's tomb is with us to this day, but not Jesus. Jesus is not there. The Apostle Paul. The very first sermon that Paul gave as a Christian in a synagogue service in a city called Antioch, he emphasized the resurrection. And when the Apostle Paul stood before Greek philosophers who mocked the resurrection, still the Apostle Paul said that God has chosen this man, Jesus Christ, to judge the world. And by this man, he has raised him from the dead. And they continue to mock. But the Apostle Paul preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand the New Testament writers and and preachers didn't only proclaim Christ's resurrection. They also gave tangible evidence, tangible reasons for believing it was true and not a myth. And that is certainly the intent of the four gospel writers. Each gospel writer tells us the story of Christ being raised from the dead. But they do it in such a way as as their purpose is to convince us. Convince their readers that it is valid. It is real. It really happened this morning. I want us to look at one of the gospel writers and how uh, this gospel writer sets out to give us assurance that Christ really did rise from the dead. And that is the gospel writer, Mark. Mark, chapter 16. And as Mark presents to us the resurrection of Christ, he is not only presenting to us theology, he is presenting to us theology with a purpose. It is not simply a history lesson. It is not simply a theological lesson. It is a theological history lesson in order to convince us that Jesus Christ really was resurrected from the dead. Now, before we look at this, uh, these reasons, these assurances that Mark gives us in his gospel, why is this important for us to understand? Why is it really um, critical that we understand this? Uh, several reasons. First of all. There can be no salvation apart from faith in the resurrection of Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10 that we must believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ not only has died for our sins, but that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth because you believe in your heart. That's all part of the the package. You cannot separate the resurrection from his death and burial. So if you and I are to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it must be because we have faith in his death and burial and resurrection. Secondly, it is important for us as believers to be convinced, absolutely convinced that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Without any doubts, we are bombarded with all kinds of doubts and all kinds of skepticism in our world, but we need as believers to be convinced that it really did take place and being convinced it ought to affect the way we live. There ought to be a commitment to Christ. There ought to be a submission. If if Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, then there ought to be no question that he is our Lord. And and we don't simply uh, profess him and confess him with our lips, but we live in such a way that his resurrection is a daily, a moment by moment reality in our lives. Third reason why it's important is that you and I are called upon daily to defend the faith. That's a field we call apologetics, which is not saying I'm sorry for the faith, but it is defending the faith. And Peter tells us in first Peter. He tells us that we are to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. You ought to know how to answer skeptics who who question the resurrection of Christ. You ought to know how to answer skeptics who 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 question uh, is the Bible really the word of God? Is Christianity valid? You ought to know why you believe what you believe, not just. Well, that's what my church believes. That's what I've been taught all my all my life. That's what my mom and dad told me is true. You ought to know. Not only what the Bible says, but why the Bible says what it says. And hopefully this morning you will have some substance to your faith. We're going to look at three assurances that Christ was resurrected. It's all in Mark chapter 16. And Mark is really presenting to us. How can we know for certain that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. So if you're taking notes, we're going to begin in verse one. And the first way we know that Christ was raised from the dead is because the stone was rolled away. Sounds such as so insignificant, such a small detail, but so critical. We begin with verse one. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him when Mark closed Chapter 15 of his gospel account, it was late Friday afternoon. Jesus, we know, had died about three o'clock in the afternoon. And Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, a follower of Christ, though he was on the council, the Jewish religious council called the Sanhedrin, but he was a follower of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea was rushing to bury the Lord Jesus before the sun went down and the Sabbath began. Why is that important? Well, you must understand that in Jewish thinking, the day begins at night. The day begins at night. So sundown Friday night was really the beginning of the Sabbath, even as it is today. That's how Jewish people would celebrate the Sabbath. It is sundown. We think of it as nighttime, but that's really the first part of the day for them. And so look back at chapter 15, if you will, verses 42 and 43. Mark says when evening had already come because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. A Jewish people didn't work on the Sabbath even as Orthodox Jewish people still today don't work on the Sabbath. And so the burial had to take place quickly. And that's why Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate when he did and asked for the body of Jesus. He is rushing now to get the body buried, not really buried as we would underground, but in a tomb before the Sabbath, before sundown. We read about this in verse 46 of chapter 15. Joseph bought a linen cloth took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Now, the cross would have been lowered and laid on the ground, the nails pulled out and the ropes Unloosed, Joseph would have then wrapped him in a clean linen cloth and quickly carried him to the tomb. We're told in another gospel account that he had the help of Nicodemus, the same who came to him by night. And uh, Jesus told him he had to be born again. And then they would have prepared his body to be buried. They would have then placed it in a tomb and rolled a stone to cover the entrance of the tomb. Now, we'll have more to say about that stone in a few minutes. But just understand that's what's taking place here. Now, verse 47 introduces us or really tells us about a group of women that are very important to the story. Verse 47 says Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. Now, who who were these women? Well, we're told about them in verses 40 and 41 of chapter 15 there were also some women looking on from a distance among whom were mary magdalene and mary the mother of james the less and Joseph and salome when he was in galilee they used to follow him and minister to him and there were many other women who came up with him to jerusalem these women were followers of christ they had been with him primarily in his uh, northern galilean ministry in the north of israel they followed him around and when he came For uh, for the Passover, when he came down to Jerusalem, they followed him as well. And these women had sadly watched as their master, their teacher, their leader, their rabbi was killed. And now they were observing where Joseph of Arimathea was laying Christ's body. There was nothing left for them to do. The Sabbath was coming. And so they apparently left the site of the tomb and went home. But I would like you to turn to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 23. And this morning we're going to be going through various turning to various four gospels because uh, no one gospel writer has all the details, but they each have some of the details. And so we have to put the account together to get a full account by looking at the other gospel records. Luke chapter 23, if you notice, Verses 55 and 56 say, Now, the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and saw his where his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So they saw where Joseph of Arimathea had laid the body. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. They went to their home. It was too late to do anything. They just prepared some spices and perfumes. Now, that's how chapter 15 ends. But with the opening of chapter 16 of Mark's gospel, the Sabbath is over. And these same women ventured out to purchase more spices. Let me read to you. Verse one, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices. So that they might come and anoint him. So this is very interesting. We put it together. The Sabbath is over and these women now can go out and they now purchase more spices. It's Saturday evening. It's after sunset. The shops would open for a few hours of business. And why do these women buy spices when they already had spices? Well, apparently they um, they did this because their supply wasn't enough. They wanted more. They needed uh, more spices. And uh, so they went out and bought them when the Sabbath had ended. Now, even though Christ's body was already anointed and there were spices already on his body, perfumes to add fragrance to the stench of what they thought was decaying flesh. These women still wanted to anoint Christ with more spices. Why? I think the reason is just because they loved him. Just because they loved him and there was nothing else they they knew to to do, this would be their final act of of devotion to their fallen master. Their final act of of love, their last tribute of love and friendship to their dead leader. And so this is all they can think of. Get more spices on. What, What more can we do for him? Listen, I want you to understand they had no expectation of his resurrection. There is no thinking here that that Jesus will rise from the dead. And so we read in verse two, very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So it's what we know today as Easter Sunday. They were eager to perform this last service to Jesus. So very early on Sunday morning, they came to the tomb. And it said when the sun had risen. Now I'd like you to notice something. The end of verse two says they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and yet john chapter 20 and let's turn there the last gospel account john chapter 20 says something that's a little different john chapter 20 verse 1 just the beginning of verse 1 says this now on the first day of the week mary magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark now the reason i point this out to you is because some have said aha This is a contradiction in the Bible. One gospel account says while it was uh, light, the other says while it was dark. And I realize there are many here today who perhaps are not used to dealing with the Bible and might look at this at a superficial glance and say, well, the Bible must have errors. But that's not the case. The Bible has no errors. It's God's word. How do we explain this then? Let me show you how we how we reconcile this. When you put all the gospel accounts together, what we have is this. All the women left their home while it was still dark. They all left at that point. But Mary Magdalene must have been a runner because she ran ahead of the other women. See, back even in those days, there were joggers, Jewish joggers. And so Mary Magdalene ran ahead of the other women. She arrived at the tomb before the sun arose. But the other women who were not jogging, not running, They got there after sunrise. There is no contradiction. There is no conflict. Each gospel writer tells you some of the details, as I said, but no gospel writer tells you all of the details. That's why we have to put it all together. But when you put it together, you see that there are no conflicts here. But while they neared the tomb, so now you understand they neared the tomb, something occurred to them, which I don't think they had thought of before. They were only concerned about the spices and getting that ready and, and getting uh, getting there early. But now notice verse three of Mark chapter 16. Something occurs to them which they hadn't thought about. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? in their zeal to anoint the lord's body they had overlooked the fact that a stone had been rolled to cover the entrance of the tomb they they certainly weren't strong enough to move the stone if you have ever been to israel and you have been to any of of the ancient tombs you would realize that these were huge stones that were that were rolled down they 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 came down in kind of a, a groove and they slipped down and once they were there it took about 20 men to roll it back it's like a little hill there's no way that these women could have rolled that stone away in fact Matthew calls it a large stone Mark says in verse 4 it was extremely large this was a circular flat stone a a disc that was rolled down as I said a sloping uh, groove till it was securely in front of the entrance and and why did they do that to keep out intruders that's why to roll that stone back up again would have taken, one scholar says it would have taken at least 20 men to do that. And that's why the women at this point are so concerned. They know that they can't move the stone. So how could they enter the tomb to anoint the Lord's body? That's, that's their problem. And notice verse four. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large as they were walking and talking and trying to figure out what they're going to do. They're they're apparently looking down and they come to the tomb and they look up and the stone has already been rolled away. Now, folks, the question is this, who moved the stone, who moved that stone many years ago, an English journalist by the name of Frank Morrison, who is a skeptic, not a believer in Christianity, he uh, he set out to prove that the story about Christ's resurrection was a hoax and he felt that like if, if he could could show and prove in a reasonable, logical format that the resurrection was a hoax and he could prove that Christianity was a hoax. So he put all of his journalistic uh, investigative uh, powers into into operation and and dealt with this and investigated and looked into the matter. And he became a believer in Jesus Christ, convinced of the resurrection of Christ. And he wrote a book about it. The first chapter of that book is entitled The Book That Refused to be Written. You know what the name of the book is? Who Moved the Stone? I have it in my library. It's a great book. Who Moved the Stone? Now, you may wonder, who cares? Why, why is that important? Who Moved the Stone? Well, here's what Marson said. He said, the stone is the one silent and infallible witness in the whole episode let me explain why is this so important because if someone rolled away the stone someone that we're not aware of then maybe they also removed christ's body and then pretended that he rose again so it's very important that we know who moved that stone who could have been just by uh, by reason? There are several suggestions that have been offered. First of all, some have said, well, Joseph, Joseph, moved the stone, Joseph of Arimathea. He knew where the body was laid. He was the one who moved the stone impossible. It, would, it, it took more than one man, more than two men, even if he brought Nicodemus back to help him. I, I told you the scholars have said understanding, as archaeologists do, how heavy those stones were, and I have seen a stone like that. Two men could not move it. Now you might say, well, maybe he brought 20 men back. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense because if 20 men, who Joseph brought back, did move that stone up the hill, then later when the believers would have said, "But we uh, we're preaching that he was raised from the dead. We've seen him." These men would have said, "It's a hoax. I'm I helped move the stone." No, no, I, I did it. But nobody said that. Nobody said that because they didn't move the stone. They would have exposed it as something that was false. But they didn't do that because they didn't move the stone. Joseph didn't do it.
2: In tomorrow's class, Pastor Kreloff will continue this study into the false theories behind the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Be sure to join the rest of the class as we gain insight that will strengthen your faith in God's Word and the accuracy of the Scriptures. Remember, at any time you can log on to our website, versebyverseradio.org, to learn more about this program and to listen again to today's lesson or any of the hundreds of other lessons available for free download. You may also call Verse by Verse at 727 239 306 for any questions you may have about the Bible or to request a CD copy of this message. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. Until next time on Verse by Verse, I'm your announcer Peter Silseth. Thanks for listening.
0: while we're on that post. God keeps his word. God's going to meet our needs. God's going to bring justice. I'm going to get through this tragedy. The gospel really is real and it's true. And God keeps his promises. He's just. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTB.